Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Let me know how I'm doing. Leave a comment. Give me a like, because I always like bringing you this great content each and every week. Very special show today. My guest is Solano County Supervisor, the Honorable Wanda Williams. Supervisor Williams was elected last November to represent District 3, after serving four years as a member of the Sassoon City Council in Sassoon City, California. Her successful campaign platform of addressing homelessness, affordable housing, increasing access to the internet, and support for local businesses garnered 59% of the vote, which many would consider to be a landslide victory. Supervisor Williams is an advocate for racial justice, and she's dedicated to improving the quality of life for all residents of Solano County. Supervisor Williams, Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Edric. Thank you so much for such a warm uh, introduction. Of and course. I am very honored to be here today just to share uh, what's happening in the county, what's going on with me in my new role, and uh, what I'm doing to accomplish my goals. So uh, it's just an honor to be here with you today. Um, likewise, honored to have you. Uh, First of all, let me start out by asking you, um, you were a city council member of Sassoon City, you were doing quite well, but what inspired you to want to take that next step and run for uh, supervisor of Solano County? Well, to be honest, I was asked by a mentor hmm. and they asked me, would you consider running for county supervisor? And as you mentioned before, I was very engulfed in the work I was doing for Sassoon City, um, moving the city forward into uh, the right direction, making sure a better quality of life for all uh, residents residing there. But when I was asked, I had to pause and really think about my work. And I had already began a work with supervisor Aaron Hannigan, we started the Solano County Health Equity Cohort. And it was birthed out of the need to help uh, all of Solano County residents during COVID, uh, making sure that especially uh, those in black and brown communities um, took advantage of um, the vaccination for uh, um, just, you know, just to deal with COVID itself mm -hmm. and making sure that we were also meeting the needs in the county, making sure that people had access to food, uh, prescription drugs, medical appointments, just all those different things. And so I realized at that moment in time and with my mentor asking me, you know, I can do even greater work. I can still help Sassoon because District 3 still service Sassoon City mm -hmm. residents, and I have a broader reach, uh, helping those all throughout the county, uh, the city of Fairfield, Sassoon Valley, but Dixon, Benicia, um, Vallejo, you know, all these different areas that still need help. And that's what I tell everyone, you know, as a, as a supervisor, you're not just only representing your district. You have, you're responsible for everyone. And so, you know, you have to have this thought process that, yes, my district is very important, 
but how do I help all the districts meet their needs too? And in turn, you hope that your fellow board members think the same way, that they'll do everything possible as well to help you meet the needs of those that you serve in your communities. Uh, and as I mentioned, um, your election, you won by quite a large margin. You got 59% of the vote, which is a, a pretty big deal. So um, what is it like being the first African-American female to be elected as a supervisor in Solano County? Well, it, it really means a lot. Um, just to know that my community trusts me, number one. Two, that I actually... My message resonated to what the, the true needs and concerns were for our community. But most importantly, uh, it's just an honor to be the first African-American woman. I know that being in that position means a lot. And I say that especially to the African-American community. It means the most, and to me, what it means is that um, representation does matter. Having someone there that look like you, that understand your concerns and needs is important. But also for the, the little girl, for the little boy. I had, uh, during my election party, a mother brought her son. And he said, that, that supervisor, Wanda Williams, and so I made sure I went over and spoke to him because I realized that when he saw me, even though I'm, I'm a woman, that he knows, well, she did it, I can do it. And so I'm a role model for young women and for little girls that they know they can do it. And so uh, for me, it's just really being that role model. But then I also understand there's a, a heavy lift for me as well, making sure that I'm being intentional, thoughtful in everything that I do. And also looking back to say, well, how do I help more African-American women run for office too? And be those voices that we need in the community. So I really believe um, that it was a mandate that was set for this county that we want change, that an African-American woman could, will work just as hard as anyone else, and that she can be trusted to get the work done. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned a lot of the things you were doing as members of Sun City Council, but in addition to that, uh, you also served uh, on the Solano Land Trust Advisory Committee. And one of the goals, which I found was interesting, uh, was ensuring that everyone has equal access to open space in Solano County. So how is that experience uh, going to help you as a supervisor now that you have even more ability to, to protect and ensure that people have access to these open spaces? Well, I get to actually um, do a couple of things. I get to serve now on the Solano Land Trust Board of Directors. Mm. So that's monumental. But I also get to bring in my expertise and have these conversations about why it's important to have this access, but for everyone. And so that actually has been the focus, my focus, uh, as an advisory um, 
member, but not only an advisory mentor, but I also was an employed by Solano Land Trust. And I was their project manager for uh, public access. And so I actually worked on developing a program to bring in diversity. So the goal for me really is to make sure that everyone has access to open spaces, to parks. It's one, beneficial for you mentally. And secondly, making sure that um, everyone knows that these spaces are available. We, we tend to focus more on parks in our local neighborhood, but I want to see people of color. I want to see people with disabilities, uh, any, all people out in the open space, because that's what it's there for, for us to enjoy. But there's a reality uh, with open space. And that's just making sure that people of color feel comfortable in open spaces. Uh, and so that's a, a discussion that's being had. But then also, our county does not have, um, a, what do they call it, a um, park district. Hmm. We don't have one for the county. Contra Costa County has one. Sonoma, I mean, you name it, is available. And that's something we don't have. So, you know, I will be focusing my attention on how do we and how can we develop the, this park? How can we even fund the, the park district hmm. uh, and keep it afloat? But it's going to take all of us, to be honest. Um, but most importantly, for me and my role, is to get the word out there. Share it. Make sure everyone knows. And so I'm talking to different organizations and making sure they know. Um, I've had invited uh, the Black Chamber of Commerce to come out, uh, out to the uh, to Petuino, Water, Kodohidihi, Open mm -hmm. Space Park. That's going to be one of the newer parks opening off of Rockville Road. And it's all access. And so when we talk about access for these open spaces. This particular park is designed for anyone of all with of all abilities, if you can walk, if you can't walk, to have access to open spaces and the hiking. And so the trail is specifically designed to make sure that um, anyone in a wheelchair can take advantage of this particular hike. <clears throat> and I was inspired, honestly, uh, to be concerned about open space because of my children. Um, my Both of my sons um, went on field trips to Rush Ranch. And for those who don't know where Rush Ranch is, I just want you to know, it's right out of, outside of Sassoon City. If you go down Grizzly Island Road, just keep driving. You'll run into Rush Ranch. It's free. For everyone, beautiful location for hiking and learning about the Patwan uh, Nation, which is the Sasunian uh, native indigenous population that actually lived here in Sassoon. So I had to throw that in there. Of <laughs> uh, but I just want to make sure that people are out there enjoying those spaces and taking those hikes, being healthy. Um, you know, I just feel like God made this earth and it's for us to enjoy. 
And it doesn't matter your your race or, or anything or creed, you know, anything of that nature or your abilities. We all deserve to be in open spaces. And so I'm going to always champion for open space and preserving what we have. Because our spaces here in Salon are beautiful. So, yeah. Um. You did identify homelessness uh, as part of your campaign as one of the issues you were going to focus on. And it's a priority uh, for many, many people in Solano County, Sassoon City, you name it. Um, what can the Board of Supervisors do to address the issue and how can they partner or who can they partner with in terms of government agencies, private groups to begin reducing the problem? Well, like you said, it, it's on everyone's mind, um, thought process mine for sure i ran on that um, because i realized it was the need it was a need in sassoon it's a need in vallejo it's a need in back of you name it it's a need and it's nationwide as well not just in our state but nationwide but for the board of supervisors really and, I, and i'm just going to use one of our most recent meetings when we were dealing with opera in february is that we just all have to be willing and be committed to put dollars, funding dollars into the work. Uh, we have to move beyond talking. That's not going to work. Um, and, you know, just being honest, the super, the Board of Soups have, have now decided to really get more involved in the homelessness. Uh, not to say they weren't before, but <clears throat> taking on a more of a lead in the process but to do that, we do have to put in the dollars and be willing to do so. Uh, we had a project in Vallejo, 47-bed uh, home, home key project that would house 47 mentally ill individuals, give them housing, wraparound services, and help them learn how to have the best quality of life and be still part of society within their realm of their normalcy. And it was a fight to get the dollars for all the board members, because you have to have four when it comes to allocating appropriation appropriating funds, we need four for needed four votes. And it was a struggle to get those votes that we needed. Uh, it was so much negotiation. And for me, it's important that as the county, since we are responsible for all the me mental health uh, and those type of those funding dollars, that we have to put the money where our mouth is, you know. So for me, is making sure that we are actually uh, putting those dollars there, looking at for more grants that we can draw down from the state of California, partnering very closely with the nonprofits that are actively involved and looking at how can the Board of Supervisors expand our capabilities to provide more services. And I don't know if you know, but that is one of the issues, not just for Solano County, but happening for multiple counties being able to hire the staff you need to deal with mental health services. And, you know, we're dealing with an aftermath from the 80s 
when the Reagan administration closed down all mental health facilities. And that's something we don't talk about. But so now we have to understand and recognize that the decisions that we make today is going to affect us 20, 30, 40 years from now. And we have to be very intentional with what we're doing, but we have to focus on mental health. And so one of the things I'm really looking at and is making sure that we're doing everything we can to incentivize um, people to go into this field, to be willing to work. During the pandemic, our health uh, industry and you know, nurses, uh, psychologists were burned out. And, you know, we had a mad exodus uh, from the, those fields. But now we have to be innovative and think, okay, how do we attract them back in? Um, do we need to change how our hiring practices so that we can bring on more individuals? Do we need to, and we need to invest, invest more into the, into digital um, infrastructure mm-hmm. so that maybe we can have more uh, video appointments for individuals. Everybody can come in. You know, or don't have the transportation or capability to get in and being willing to go to them, you know, uh, um, putting in more mobility uh, vans so that we can go to these different locations where they have these uh, encampments and to bring the services to them to help get them healthy enough so we can get them off the street, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just have to really start thinking outside of the box. And so I, I, you know, I understand why the governor is a little frustrated. He wants us, come on, let's move forward and actually put together some um, plans that can be executed. Because one of the things that happened, we, we put together all these plans, but then we don't equip staff to do the work. So they're inhibited. And so we have to break those barriers that inhibit our staff to being able to actually fulfill the policies that we're we're passing. And you know, I learned that just from being in Sassoon City. I had pushed for policies in Sassoon that I would ask them, well, why aren't you working on it? Mm-hmm. You know, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we don't have the ability to do it. And so that's another thing. We have to be intentional when we're making policies to also not just create the policy, but make sure that we're putting in place in these policies the tools necessary for staff to follow through and execute and get that, get the work done. So then the community can see what's happening. Now, the community is tired of the talk. No more talk. We want, they want action. They want it now. Uh, now we're behind on the eight ball a little bit here, but does not mean we're not doing it. But we have to be very transparent. I think that is also key. Transparency is important because if you're not transparent, then the community's in the dark and they don't know what's going on. And so these are some of the things I believe that we should be doing with on the board of soups 
to move our homelessness forward. And let's be honest, we might not can get, we're not going to solve 100% of the homelessness problem. I know people want us to be able to, I would love to, <laughs> um, but it's not a 100% thing. There's going to be a percentage that will be able to really meet the needs. And then you have those that have been chronically unhoused for so long that is, it takes um, them to have a learning curve. Like I'm having a learning curve on my job. <laughs> they have to relearn what we consider is normal. Right. See, we have our interpretation of, well, this is normal. They should want, they should want this and want that. But when you really take a step back and think about it, how you lose part of your humanity when you have to be homeless. First, it starts with, you don't, you know, you're living in your car or you're couch surfing. Then it morphs into more, you know, different levels. And if you don't have the capability to, you know, pay your medical bills or take care of your needs, then you have to learn how to even live on a street. Survive. I mean, just survive. Just to survive is 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 deeper than camping, you know. Mm -hmm. and I'm not a camper. I'm a glamper. I'm a glamper. <laughs> but but it's you know it I, and and it was actually I had visited Can B, and they shared that information with me to help me understand, you know, what's really happening to the person when they're in a state, and what they're doing to help them help um, reintroduce them back into um, society, help them find their normalcy within that and, and um, have stability. So yeah, it's, it's really multifaceted. And even each supervisor, we kind of need to focus on a niche mm -hmm. focusing in, you know, for me, it's, I'm focusing on mental health and on housing, but it's that's still broad. And so my team and I, we're now really, because I've been on the job three months, but we're digging into, okay, well, what does that look like? So we're asking ourselves the questions. Well, what does this look like? And how can we achieve it? Who can help us achieve these goals? Because it's not one person, it's just not one county. It's us collectively working together, not in silos, but together to actually put a dent in this 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 issue. And it's a human issue. It's a human rights issue to have housing to can get your meds. I mean, these are just human rights issues. And so, and to be honest, it's our responsibility to, to educate as well, mm. to educate the community. Um, because I, I think just based off what I hear from the community that, well, you know, it's the homeless, they're doing this, they're doing that. A lot of times they're not doing all these things. Now, you know, they're not always doing the ones 
breaking in homes and robbing, right? But but there's a perception. And so I, I'm really hoping to educate the community to be open to say, okay, let's build these facilities uh, so that we can house them. But I'm not looking at to institutionalize. I'm looking at, mm. you know, helping them to be as normal and have their best quality of life as well. And so when they have a better quality of life, it helps us mm-hmm. because then they're not um, unhoused. They have housing, they have services that they need. And then that let the community feel comfortable with going shopping, going out to dinner, walking up and down the street. Um, you know, and let's be honest, when you see a homeless person, it for us who are living one or two paychecks away from homelessness, it's scary. Because mm-hmm. you don't want that to be you. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's really going to take all of us with the board of supervisors to really make these changes. And so I'm hoping to get more community members being open to allow housing in their neighborhoods nearby, because I'd rather have them housed than on a street, not defecating in streams or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just human decency to provide uh, bath, you know, bathrooms and showers. That's just human decency. So anyway, yeah, um, that's what I'm hopeful for. Yeah, it's a large, uh, complex issue, and I think to your point, maybe the conversation is more about instead of solving the problem, how do we help people transition out of? I think sometimes the way we talk about things uh, brings about barriers and puts up, you know, perceptions and you hit the nail on the head when you said it's helping people get out of the situation. So maybe there's some compassionate language we can start using. You know, there is a place for law enforcement. Of course, if people are breaking the law, then they should be held accountable and people should have the right to public safety. But um, at this point, it's uh, there is a way to talk about these things where I think we can come together, as you're saying, and language is really important to me. I just see it that way. You're right. Um, Moving on, next subject, uh, agriculture, huge, huge component of uh, Solano County historically, one of the most important industries in Solano County. Um, Can you speak to the importance of agriculture to Solano County uh, and how the Board of Supervisors supports this vital industry? Uh, I know you may or may not be able to comment on the the bill, the farm bill, and there's a lot of talk going on about that right now. But talk to me about agriculture in Solano County, because I think a lot of people probably don't think about it too much uh, in, in mass. Well, you're right. Um, it, and let's take into account, we have a great migration from the Bay Area yes. to <laughs> Solano County. I am a native from Richmond, California. So, and then I moved here 30 years ago. And I really wasn't introduced to farming, you know. Uh, but um, actually, being a part of Solano Land Trust really introduced me to farming. That was my introduction. But farming is paramount to Solano County. Uh, It started with farming. It was the bread and butter of this county. We produce most of uh, the leafy vegetables here for our state. We have the best region, some of the best soils 
uh, actually. And so that's why you see this influx of, of, of vineyards now in the county, especially in my district. Most of all the wineries are in District 3. So I just got to put a shout out right there. <laughs> Come to District 3 to Sassoon Valley and enjoy some of these delicious boutique wines. They're, they're amazing. Uh, and But it's imperative. And in reference to the Farm Bill, I make sure that I meet on a regular basis with the Farm Bureau. And I work with them so that I can understand the complexities and needs uh, for our farmers in our district. But one of the things uh, my concern is, is making sure, especially as elected officials, that we understand and comprehend the, the choices that we make, especially when it comes uh, deals with uh, annexing land. Well, what are we doing and how are we impacting our farmers? And that's actually one of the greatest, uh, I wouldn't say hurdles, but issues that farmers face is cities expanding into ag agriculture, mm. ag lands. And so once you lay pavement over soil, that's it. It's done. If you can't revitalize it or use it, it, it pretty much kills it. And so soil can be regenerated and we do do that now. But making sure that our farmers have space to grow food. This is one thing I learned from the farm bureau. Think of farmer, because without a farmer, you don't get to eat. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, they're responsible. Here in Solano County, we have ranchers, they uh, you know, beef, sheep as well. So our lamb is uh produced here. Um, we are moving away from walnuts because uh, walnuts just were not no longer uh, productive. And so they do more almonds. Mm. But what, what people don't understand or know is that farmers um, are impacted a lot by the economy. So uh, the economy actually influences what they, what they actually grow. So if there's a need more for you know, uh, tomatoes, then they're going to replant and build tomatoes, you know, so it's, uh, it's really driven by economics. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a business, <laughs> you know, but most importantly, they sustain our way of life. We get to walk into grocery stores every day, but they're working hard from sun up to sun down. Uh, and they're hardworking people, very full of pride uh, and history. But one of the things uh, affecting farmers, too, is the next generation, making sure the next generation wants to uh, continue the business and continue to grow and form and produce food that we depend on to live. You know, so that's really important. Uh, some of the I can't think of off the my, top of my mind our top commodities right now, mm -hmm. um, but Solano County actually is, uh, our crops are specialty crops. So, which means they don't fall in the natural 10 commodities that the nation, we're not, you don't drive up and down uh, in the Valley or in Dixon, or you're not going to see in Vacaville ears of corn everywhere. I mean, we, that's not what we do. 
you know, we grow different things. And so uh, one of the issues with the farm bill is making sure that they take into account counties that have specialty crops Hmm. um, so that when, and what I have learned is that when um, farmers crop, just say they have a failed crop, they have had to have had that crop for two seasons before they even apply, can apply and benefit from the insurance policies that they have to pay for. So you may have a farmer that say, I'm going to do rice. The rice, um, you know, harvest is a bus, but they've only been in it a year. Well, they're just out of their money. Mm. So um, it is really hard. And so it's important that as consumers that we're willing to visit local farms, purchase produce from them directly. Actually, it's fresher. Um, you get to know your local farmers and, you know, as ag tourism grow in our valley, it's going to be important that our county remember, purchase locally, (laughs) buy at home, support our farmers. They're really, really important for our our livelihood (laughs) and keep us alive on this planet. But, um, and get to know them. Um, they're, you know, they care about this, this area. They have decades, some farmers, families have been here since the 1800s. And so um, it's steeped in history, uh, family values, um, you know, connection with one another. And, you know, we're also looking at, well, how do we support farmers additionally outside of purchasing from them? But for me, looking at, well, how to encourage, you know, because uh, I don't have jurisdiction over the school district as the supervisor, but encouraging uh, through conversations and discussions, uh, our partners over at the school district to consider purchasing, buying locally as well, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables and stuff uh, to feed our children. It'll make them healthier. Um and it'd be great economic of scales, economies of scales as well, by working with our local farmers, you know, and especially for those interested in organic farming. Um, they always have an edu- they have an educational component as well. And so what I'm doing with my program, Adopter Neighborhood, here in Sassoon City, I have partnered with the Farm Bureau. And so we'll have classes and workshops in Sassoon City because my goal is to make sure that um, all cities are being introduced to the farmers and the Farm Bureau and so that our students, our kids uh, understand the importance. So we have a whole new generation of 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 individuals in our county understanding why it's important to protect and preserve our agriculture. Uh, we have a few minutes left, and uh, I wanted to end our conversation. Uh, you kind of referenced family in your last answer, but I also want to ask you now. Uh, I know family is very very important to you, um, but how important is it for elected officials to be able to balance the demands of their hectic schedule? Uh, but also with the demands of family and and make sure that they have that healthy balance. It's, um, you said it right. It's very important to me. I'll tell you why. Your family 
has to sacrifice just as much as you're sacrificing of your time to serve your community. I do it because I love it. Uh, but my family, they want to see me and spend time with me as well. So what I want to encourage all elected officials, especially those newly elected, to set aside time in your calendars to spend time with your family. That is so important and paramount because when you're tired at the end of the day, you have them to turn to, to talk to, to be there for you, to help lift you up hmm. in those times when you need it. Um, and being a wife and a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister and a friend. Uh, I want to continue to cultivate those relationships. And so to do that, I do have to say, I have to place boundaries because everyone wants a piece of me. <laughs> you know, everyone wants to meet with me and talk to me. And, and I love doing that because I love meeting the needs of my community. But I also need my community to en also encourage me to take time with my family. But I'm being intentional. So Sundays are off limits. So I just want everybody to know. <laughs> Those are the days that I spend with my family. I get to be a wife. I get to be a mom. So it's important to make sure you're being balanced because at the end of the day, your family is going to be there for you. They're going to hold you on the days you want to cry. They're going to rejoice when you're full of joy. Um, but I can honestly say I don't know what I would do without my husband and without my daughter. Uh, and my mom, you know, they have, they're always there for me. And, you know, my siblings, I, I'm thankful. I'm the oldest. Of, uh, and, you know, so I set the example as well for my family when it comes to my siblings. And so I want to also set an example for them that uh, work-life balance is imperative. And I will always push for that. That's why I just came back from a vacation with my husband. We just celebrated 31 years of marriage. And Congratulations. Stuff. Thank you. I can't be married for 31 years if I'm not spending any time with my husband. Right. So, <laughs> um, but that's what I just wanted to share. That's paramount. And don't throw it away. Don't push it to the side. Make it a priority. Well, Supervisor Williams, uh, it's been a treat to talk to you today. Uh, congratulations on your election. Um, it looks like you have a, a North Star and you are, are on your way and uh, the, the residents of Solano County are, are in good hands. But uh, if people want to get more information about you or the meetings or how they can get information about Solano County, uh, where can they go? Well, you can go to the website, uh, solanocounty.com. Um, you can also email me, wlwilliams at solanocounty.com. I have a Facebook page. So I have two. I'm not taking any more friends requests on my personal page. But <laughs> on on my uh, supervisor page, it's Wanda Williams, and they'll say Solano County Supervisor. Um, that's where you can learn everything that I'm doing in the county. Um, I'm constantly posting on their events, uh, what, what I'm doing and what will be coming up. So, you know, in the future, I plan to have a town hall meeting uh, in the future. So that will be posted 
on my Facebook page, my Instagram. Okay, I'm still trying to get someone to run my <laughs> next door <laughs> page. Um, well, that's that's going to be back in the works. I'm not as active on next door, but as I would like to be. But right now, I'm still in my learning phase uh, as a supervisor and um so there's a lot. It's a steep learning curve. So I got to be intentional and I want to be able to post information that's um, imperative to the community and can meet the needs of those that's looking for resources. So they can visit those those pages. And it's uh, my Instagram is at Wanda for Solano. And then my Facebook is, uh, I think it's just at Wanda Williams on Facebook. So, yeah. And we'll put links to all of that uh, either in the crawl or the, the lower third, or we'll also put it on uh, the YouTube channel as well. So people can be able to click right to you. So again, Supervisor Williams, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Edric show. I really appreciate our conversation and I hope I can have you back in the future. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. This has been another edition of the Edric show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. Again, this is the place for intelligent conversation for interesting people. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a like. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all your online streaming services so we can get uh, this content to you each and every week. I want to thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.